0: Good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here today. I want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you like steak? I mean, like a, a meat eater like me, okay? I'm a, I'm a red meat eater. I like steak. And I grew up eating my steaks well done. In fact, you know, that, that was kind of the thing my parents, like they cooked the, the meat till it was completely well done and cooked it a little bit longer just to make sure that you weren't going to get sick. There were going to be worms or nothing else like that. You know, some of you guys, okay, so there was no red left in that at all and, and virtually no moisture left in the meat at all. And it was good. I mean, that's the way I grew up. And I ate my steak like that my entire life until I got married. And Leah was working at Steak and Ale, and they had a, a steak there called the Kensington Club. It was my favorite. It was a marinated steak that they marinated for three full days. And I'd get it cooked well done. And she goes, why, why don't you try this thing medium rare? I'm like, oh, no. No, I'm not going to do that. So she goes, just try it. Okay. I tried it. Guess what? I cut into that thing, you know, still red, still, you know, a lot of G- And it was it was great. It was indescribably better, (laughs) indescribably better than anything I'd uh, you know had it cooked before. Tragic thing is, a lot of people go through life just settling for something good when there's something so much better. We settle for the good life, the comfort, the convenience, the luxuries, the little things that make our life so easy, and and we live a good life. And we settle for that, and we're happy with that, but God has in store for us something indescribably better. And so for us to get the better, we're going to have to let go of the good. This is week one in our series uh, that we're going to be doing for the next several weeks called Better. And so we're going to have to let go of the good to grab a hold of the better. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them today, uh, to Psalm 84. Psalm 84, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version today. Verses 1 and 2 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Then skip down to verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. what is this all about the courts? Let me explain. Anytime you see the courts mentioned in the Old Testament, it's referring to the presence of God because Jesus dwelt in the temple. And so if you wanted to be in the presence of Almighty God, you had to go to the temple and be and dwell among the court because that's where God was. And so if you wanted to be in his presence, which people desired to be there, that's where you went to make your sacrifice. That's where you went to receive atonement for your sins, but to get close to to God as you could. David says, he longed so much to be in the presence of, of the Lord that I would rather take the lowest position, the servant's position in the house of God rather than the most elevated position in the house of the wicked. He said, better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. The problem is so many people don't believe this. They believe that the Christian life is some dull, boring life that you're just never going to have any fun. They believe that the Christian life is all about a, a bunch of rules that you can't do this, you can't do that, and you must do this, you must do that. A bunch of thou shall nots and thou shalt do. But unfortunately, Hollywood paints a picture of Christianity that it's dull and it's boring. And if you really want to be where the fun is, you've got, to, you've got to find this sinful life because that's where the fun is. I've actually had people tell me before that, you know, I'd become a Christian, but man, that just sure make me a dull, boring person. This wouldn't be very exciting. You know, I'd, I, I, I you know, couldn't do all the things that I like to do right now. In other words, what they're saying is, I don't want to give up sin. And I want to tell you, friends, sin can be fun for a while. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't have any problem at all convincing people don't do it. If, it. if it wasn't any fun, there wouldn't be any draw or temptation for sin. But sin can be a lot of fun for a while, but then it's going to really mess you up, Okay. So a lot of people don't think that better is one day with God. Let me just tell you, it's better because God's way are better than our ways. He says, my love is better than life. So better is one day with God because with Christ you can have forgiveness of sins. In fact, the Scripture tells us He takes our sin... And he will throw them as far from the east as from the west. Now, I don't know how far that is, but it's infinitely. You can't measure it. That's pretty far. They're gone. And they're forgotten. What better is one day with, with God because no matter what you have going on in your life, you can have God's supernatural presence in your life, the very presence and power that raised God from, or Jesus from the dead, the very power and the presence that created this whole universe and the world that we live in. A day with God is better because we can have this unspeakable joy, and it's a joy that the world didn't give to you, and it's a joy that the world can't steal from you. It's from God. A day with God is better because you have His divine calling and purpose in your life. A day with God is better because he, you have His provisions. You have everything you need to accomplish everything that God wants you to do available to you. You see, a day with God is indescribably better. While a, a, a steak well done is good, you know, if you put enough 57 sauce and stuff to give it some moisture, but the medium rare is so much better. What I'm saying to you though doesn't mean you're never going to have trials, doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. You're going to have problems and trials, okay? The Bible says if you live for the Lord to expect Him. It's going to happen. But I don't know about you, but I would rather be with Jesus in a boat in the middle of a storm than standing with the devil on a beach on dry land. Amen? So you're going to have storms in life. They're going to happen. But David says, better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. It's indescribably better. So that raises this question, if better is one day, how do we have that one day with him? Well, I think most of us would probably say, well, we start the day off with Bible study and prayer. That's our, our quiet time or our, our spiritual time or whatever. And, and sometimes people ask you, how's your quiet time? How's your spiritual time with God doing? Oh, you know, I, I study and I read and I pray almost every day. Sometimes I skip a day or two. But, you know, for the most part, it's pretty good. Could you imagine asking Jesus how his spiritual life was? How's your time with God My time with God, I'm I'm with God all day long, so so how do I have time with God? You know, my spiritual, I'm doing His business. I'm doing His work, which we should be doing. But most of us think that we have a time with God, but I want to encourage you to think with, with me for a minute, to live with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence in your life. So that means that you just don't have to have a time with God, a moment with God, but you can live with God every day, in fact, every second, every minute of every day with God's presence in your life. It can be unending. So you don't have to just have a time with God. You literally can do life with God. So He's with you all day long. Whether you acknowledge that or not, He is with you all day long. So think about that. Next time you think about, boy, I'd like to engage in this sin or this activity, think about that. God's with you all day long, you're in His presence. If you're part of the family of God, you can't, you can't ever escape His presence. He's with you. You see, in the Old Testament, God would dwell in the temple. And people would long and desire to be in the temple court because when they were in the temple court, they were in the presence of Almighty God. And Like I said, that's where they went to offer their sacrifices. That's where they went to experience the presence of God in their life. And so it required you to go somewhere, to do something. Let me tell you something, friends. Because of the New Testament and what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to go anywhere. We have God's unending presence in our life all day long every day. So you don't have to just have your moment or your time with God. You literally do life with God. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we have a day with God? You know, I think for most Both of us, we have great intentions that, you know, I'm going to spend some time with God or this is going to be my day with God. And then we turn on the TV and we get interested in a TV show or we turn on the computer for a moment and, you know, we're going to check an email and next moment we're reading articles or hitting those little clickbait things, something enticing that takes us to this side or this side and and pretty soon we've wasted a whole afternoon or we fire up a video game and we, all those great intentions that we have to make this our day with God, it just gets thrown out the window. What's it like to live in the unending presence of God? You see, we, we let God get crowded out of our life because, you know, life just happens, doesn't it? Life happens. And so when we have this mindset that we have to have this time with God and something happens then we think, well, I didn't get my time with God today. We've got to understand we're with God all day long. His presence is with us all day long. I want to give you three habits today, to, whether you call them habits or disciplines, that If you develop these, let me tell you, they will absolutely change your life, okay? They will change your life in such a remarkable way. And you're going to find out that you're going to get to do life with God. And you're going to get to experience the indescribably better life with with our Lord Jesus Christ. First habit is to develop a habit of constant communication with God. Flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning with verse 16 and 17. Really a short passage here. But there's a lot right here, okay? Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17 says, pray continually. Pray continually. Now, if you're reading the New Testament, sometimes Jesus prayed all night long. That's a long time to pray. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And Jesus found time to pray and spend time with his heavenly Father. We certainly should. But he prayed for an entire night long. You'd read in the scripture early in the morning, he'd get up and go go pray. Several years ago, we were getting ready for a revival. And we decided we were going to have a 24-hour revival prayer time or or, you know that we were going to pray around the clock from friday till sunday when we started a revival i asked people to sign up for like 30 minutes at a time just give up 30 minutes to pray that god would do something and so being the pastor I, i said i'm going to set the example i took two slots so i'm going to pray for an hour And I signed up in the middle of the night, you know, like 3 o'clock when nobody's going to be up there praying. So I set my alarm, got up, and, you know, this will be pretty easy. Pray for an hour, then I go back to bed. So I started praying. You know, I prayed for all my normal things that I pray for. pray for my family and myself and the people in the church that I knew about. And, you know, look, man, I thought I prayed a long time. I looked at my watch and five minutes had gone by. This is a little tough. Okay, so I, I started praying for people that come to, you know, my extended family, praying for them and different, different things that, you know, just popped in my head. And I, I, I looked and I'm like, gosh, it's surely an hour, five more minutes have gone by. I'm like, this is going to be a little tougher than I thought. So I started thinking about Bible college professors and missionaries and anybody I could think of. And I, I'm up to about 15 minutes now. And I was beginning to struggle. Praying for an hour, you might think that's an easy thing to do, but try it sometime. When it comes to prayer, I'm kind of like a, a, maybe I have some ADD when it comes to prayer. Anybody like that, that you start praying and then all of a sudden you get distracted, something, what was that? Some people think I've got a little more than just ADD in my prayer life, but that's a whole other subject, but For me, a lot of times when I get the most distracted is when I'm taking communion, when I'm supposed to be focused and concentrating and thinking about the body and the blood of Jesus and what He did, and I start praying, and then, did I put the garage door down? Gosh, what appointment do I have this afternoon? What have I got doing this week? And all of a sudden, Satan starts crowding my mind with all these things that want to push out. The things of God. See, so we get so tangled up in the things of this world, and, and all those things aren't bad things. But if they take the place of God, and if they crowd out our time with God, we have to adjust some things. How many of you um, have a cell phone? If you've got to just hold it up a second. Let me see. A lot of people got cell phones. How many of you take it to the bathroom with you? there's help for you guys. We'll get some counseling for you. I may or may not take mine to the bathroom, okay? But I want to tell you there's something about these that we can stay in constant communication with people we love. In fact, I've I've had two text messages just since I've been up here this morning, okay? Now, I know what's going to happen. I know that all of you that have my cell phone, this thing's going to blow up in a minute. But we can stay in constant communication with those that we love through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Snapchat. How, all the all the things that we do. Yeah, yeah. Here it goes. Staff, elders. Um, okay, I'm just going to put this thing down here. We stay in constant communication with people we love, and sometimes they're short. Sometimes they're very short messages, hey, how are you doing, what's uh, you know, uh, don't forget it, whatever. Have you ever thought about your communication with God in that way? That it can be short burst of communication? I mean, it doesn't always have to be an hour of spiritual warfare like Jesus had where sweat and drops of blood came out. You know, it could be. I mean, there are times that we might have to have that hour of spiritual warfare, but I'm talking about daily, constant communication with God that maybe just our short burst, like I keep getting these messages and it keeps going going off. Stay focused. We all love you. <laughs> Hook 'em horns. What? Where does that come from? Oh my goodness. Ah, where were we? Short burst of communication all day long. Lord, thank you for that sunrise. Wow, that is a beautiful sunrise. You're driving down the the road and uh, there's an accident. Maybe the ambulance are, are dealing with those people. Lord, I don't know what happened here. I don't know who's hurt, but Lord, be with them. I'm getting ready to go meet with somebody. Lord, give me the words to say. This brother or sister sure looks like they're hurting really bad. Will you just encourage your heart today, my son? My daughter's taking a big test today. Would you would you just help them remember what they've what they've studied? You see, just short bursts of communication that we we don't have to stop, and and get God's attention, dear Lord. You know, dear Heavenly Father, I I beseech you, I come into your no, just say, Lord, He's listening. Okay. He's available all the time. The second thing I want us to encourage you to do in this is to develop the habit of instant obedience to God. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Keep in step with the Spirit. You see, here's a kind of a side benefit. When you are constantly talking with God, He's going to talk to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you're always going to hear the audible voice of God speaking. You might. But since God is living inside of you, and He's in your heart, He's in your brain, He's going to prompt you, He's going to urge you, He's going to speak to you in ways that maybe I can't even explain. Describe or explain, but it's God speaking to you, and He's going to tell you, "Hey, go go do this, go do that." And so we need to instantly obey. I want to tell you what happened several years ago. We were in a a crisis. Uh, our family was kind of what we were going through with uh, w- with our family and. I was devastated. It it all happened on a Saturday, and I just remembered, God, I've got to get myself together because I have to preach the next day. And I I was walking around the campus of Northern Oklahoma College, and my wife, Lee, and I, we led the Campus Crusade ministry there. And I'm just praying and crying to God. I'm like, okay, God, I've got to give this ministry up. The next morning, I'm in my office. I'm kind of hiding now. didn't want to see anybody. didn't want to talk to anybody. I had my door closed and locked, and I'm in there, you know, pray, praying and crying, and, you know, I hear this knock on the door. I'm like, I'm not answering it. Okay, I'm I'm trying to collect myself. And then I knock again. I'm like, no, I'm not answering it. So I didn't even say, go away. Nobody's here. But they just kept knocking. I'm like, oh, for You know, what's going on here? So I went and opened up the door, kind of irritated, like, and all of a sudden, before me was two young ladies that were part of our very first Campus Crusade ministry group. They're both living in Tulsa. One of them led our worship every week, and I was stunned. I'm like, what are you guys, what are you doing here? And they're like, you don't remember us, do you? I'm like, oh, well, of course, Sarah and Jenny. I remember, what, what are you guys doing here? We just woke up this morning, and God says, hey, you need to go see Mr. Allen and, and encourage him today. I'm like, what? Yeah, it was kind of the weirdest deal. We just kind of woke up and felt like God said, go, go see you. So we spent most of the day. We went out, out to lunch together. But see, they were listening, and they obeyed what God had to say. I've had a lot of examples of God encouraging me to do something, or and it's just you know it's God. We were at a a deal, what we called it, our church we participated in Night of Praise, in a community of believers, and so once a month we would get together and we would just go around to the different churches that we were part of there, uh, with the community believers, and we would have a. a time of prayer, of praise, preaching of the word. And each church would take a turn hosting and pastors of the different churches we'd have a little part. Well, that day, I I don't remember if I read a scripture or something. I had a small part of the service. But when I was sitting there, I just was overcome with a real spirit of sadness and and almost a grief, like I'm carrying a burden. And I'm like, I don't understand this because I'm not upset. I'm not distraught in any way. But I I just went to the back of the auditorium and I just kind of looking over and I, I was like man somebody's really carrying a burden here I can just feel it and one of the other pastors Alan what are you doing I'm like I don't I don't understand this I'm just feeling a like a, there's a burden that I'm carrying for somebody now a lot of these churches were Pentecostal churches so if you've ever been a part of Pentecostal service they just stopped the service right there went to the stage uh Pastor Alan thinks that somebody's got a burden here today. And so I want to ask all the pastors, you guys come on up here. If you've got a burden, if you need to be prayed for today, just come on up and we're going to pray for you. Well, it wasn't really what I had in mind, but I'm like, oh dear. You know, I was just going to quietly pray for somebody that I felt had a burden. And so people started coming up and I just stood there and I'm like, okay, God, I don't know who I'm supposed to pray for here, but I locked eyes with this one lady. And I walked over to you. her and I said I think I'm supposed to pray for you are you carrying a burden and she, she just exploded with tears and she began to share with me what had just happened the night before her son was in the army grew up in that very church that we were in in youth group and everything else but then once he was deployed out of the United States he felt comfortable enough to tell her that he was gay and she was just crushed and destroyed she just cried and sobbed and and wept so I prayed with her and ministered to her I'm going to tell you you're going to have an experience like that all the time I mean I think that's a that's a, a very rare experience for me but I had no doubt that God wanted me to pray for that lady that day and it happened You see, when you're walking with Him, when you're walking with Him step by step, He's going to speak to you. He's going to urge you. He's going to nudge you. Third habit I want you to get into is a daily desperation for God. Turn with me back to Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to you for the living God. I want to ask you something. When's the last time that you yearned for God, that you so desired God that you didn't want anything else in life, but you wanted God? That you were so desperate? And a lot of times that kind of desperation only comes in the face of a tragedy. And I'm not hoping tragedy happens, but I hope that you get desperate for God, that your soul longs and desires. And you see, when we long and desire, we develop this appetite for God. And sometimes we develop an appetite for something is because we've tasted it. and We found out that it's good. Now, over the years, my appetite has changed some. There's been some things that as a kid, I wouldn't even try. Didn't like the look of it, didn't like the the, the smell of it didn't like even the texture of it. I couldn't stand scrambled eggs when I was a kid, but I didn't like anything about them. But I actually like scrambled eggs now because I experienced them. And once we experience, once we experience Jesus Christ, we're going to have an appetite for him. Once you've experienced the presence of God, you're going to have that appetite to be in his presence all the time and to do life with God. But if all you ever eat is well-done steak, all you're going to want in life is well-done steak when you have the opportunity to have something indescribably better, medium-rare. I hope that you develop that kind of an appetite and that kind of a desire for God. Psalm 34.8 says, Test taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope you develop that appetite. Psalm 63, I'm going to close with this scripture. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3. You, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. You see, in the Old Testament, to receive forgiveness of sins, you had to go sacrifice an animal. Which was a good thing because you were atoned. You were made righteous in God's sight again. But guess what? Jesus became an even greater a better sacrifice than the animals he was indescribably better than the animal sacrifice if you're hanging on to the good life i want to encourage you to let go of the good life and get ready to experience something better something that god has in store for you that is indescribably better And you don't have to settle for just a moment with God or or an hour with God. But you can live in God's presence all day long from now to eternity. Because better is one day in His courts than a thousand elsewhere. So think about this. What is your best day? Is it a day spent with a fishing rod in your hand sitting in a boat? That's a pretty good day. Maybe it's a day spent with your spouse or your parents, or your grandkids, or your son or your daughter, whatever you think your best day is, whatever would be a great, great day in your mind, think about that, and God has something indescribably better, because the scripture says, better is one day with the Lord than a thousand elsewhere, better is one day in the Lord's presence than doing those things that we think are so great and so fun and so wonderful than a thousand of those days. One day with God is better. And I'm, I'm probably guessing there are some of you today that have never spent an hour with God, let alone an entire day with God. We acknowledge His presence. We say we want Him to be a part of our life, but when it's convenient. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. If you'll get into these habits that we talked about today, constantly communicating with God, instantly obeying and desperately seeking Him, I believe we'll begin to let go of the good life and grab a hold of the indescribably better. Pray with me. Father, thank you for reminding us today that one day in your presence is better than doing anything else. All the fun, all the the activities we think are so great, but Lord, better is one day with you. Lord, I pray that we all get desperate for you and we develop that appetite that that only you can satisfy. If there's somebody here today that is ready to take that next step, to put their faith and trust in you, I pray this is the day They let go of the good life and get ready for the better. In Jesus' name, amen.